The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we're talking about addictions, obsessions, and intuition. Have you suffered intuitively from seeing someone's pain, hearing their cries, that they have some problem, and then not being able to stop thinking about it over and over and over again? Keeps you up at night, gives you stomach problems, messes up your appetite, blood pressure. Have you ever lost sleep, gained weight, had digestive problems, suffered pain in the agony of worrying, 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 not knowing is this thinking, this is intuition, is this obsession, and then feeling compelled to rescue someone, whether it's with money, whether it's your resources, and then you say, wait a minute, I've tried to stop this. It's like an obsession. It's like an addiction. Why can't I stop this? If you've ever had problems with anxiety, compulsive overgiving, and quite frankly, your intuitive connection to people suffering, today's your day because we're going to discuss intuition, obsessions, and addictions. Today's world, it's very common to see people you know those shows, Intervention, or all these shows about addiction recovery, the commercials about addiction recovery. You always see the parents being yelled at or the family members, you're enabling, you're enabling. Well, why do people enable? It's because they become intuitively keyed into someone's suffering, makes them anxious, it makes them worried, sick. And how do you handle the intuition, the empathic connection to someone suffering, then obsessing about it, and then stopping this addiction, this compulsive rescuing. Today's show is going to change your life. It's going to teach you how to handle what I call the intuition compulsion addiction circuit how to uncouple empathy, intuition, with anxiety, 
and learning to shift gears to stop the gerbil wheel of thoughts, thoughts, thoughts in your brain so that you don't carry people's problems in your body. We're taking your calls, 816-251-3555 within the U.S. and Canada. And remember, unityonlineradio.org is live, live every Wednesday from 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. But you can get the show on your favorite podcast provider as well as join the live show with a question every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, it's very interesting because I fully research every show. I go right back to the beginning. I don't just go, you know, oh, I got a, re- I got a radio show. It's Tuesday after a long weekend. Oh, I'll just go by seat of my pants what I know. No, I always go back again. And I looked up addiction. It's fascinating. The new DSM doesn't use the word addiction anymore. you got to love that. They no longer use the phrase addiction. They say because it's in certain definition and it has a negative connotation. They say they only use substance use disorders. Think about it. You misuse that substance. I don't know if I go along with that. So you got your problem with alcohol is you're using it wrong. <laughs> See that? Your problem over there? You're just using it wrong. Or your problem with sex, you're using it wrong. Or that problem with gambling, you're using it wrong. I don't know about that. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Because there's a uniform chemistry underneath all that using there. So... They have a different definition for what you're using wrong. You're using alcohol, you're using it wrong. You're using sex, you're using it wrong. When underlying it is a similar mechanism in our brain. Some people have said addiction is covering up an emotion we can't handle. And the chemistry of an emotion, we medicate it with what addiction we're using. We medicate it, if you, if you want to know. So, for example, alcohol medicates or covers up anxiety. It adds GABA, okay? And sex covers up a lack of opiates, a connection, a connection to somebody else, a feeling of emptiness inside. It adds opiates. And cocaine adds dopamine. That sometimes people use it if they have attentional problems. Some people use it if they're depressed. Dopamine helps with mood and it helps with attention and so on and so on. But ultimately, every, I don't want to use misuse syndrome, every addiction, I'm just going to use it, sorry. I think misuse syndromes are also, and they're going to be pejorative. I think it's ridiculous. But needless to say, every addiction has a final and that same anatomy in the brain. It's the area for reward, nucleus accumbens, and area ventral tegmentum for dopamine. Opiates reward and ventral tegmentum for dopamine. Why is that important? You're sitting at home thinking as you're eating another chip or addictively eating M&Ms or drinking, you know, an early cocktail in the afternoon, you say. Why is that important to me? It's important to you because actually opiates, one of those neurotransmitters, is the universal connection between us and someone else. And it also covers up pain of any kind, whether it's physical, emotional, psyche. And it also is 
the neurotransmitter, the connection with us and spirituality, which makes sense why somebody accidentally on purpose saw that the antidote to addiction, the foundation of 12-step programs, is a connection to a higher power or a divine, or at least you know it ain't you, as they say. So one of the types of addictions is codependence, which is an addiction. And it means that on some level, we are addicted to having someone to be dependent on us. When you are very empathic, you're very intuitive, you have a great capacity to pick up someone else's pain and suffering. And their pain becomes your pain. Their anxiety becomes your anxiety. It's like resonance, a tuning fork. You carry it as if your own. And you, interestingly enough, don't just, because you're a Mother Teresa, try to get rid of it and rescue them. It's, it's painful to feel their pain. So the first thing you do is try to help them. So it just stop, 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 stop the pain. So if you fix them, you don't get to feel this anymore. That's the unselfish aspect of rescuing people. If it becomes a compulsion, it's a compulsive or addictive tendency. You're a compulsive rescuer. But then, of course, it can shape your personality and your relationships so that you really don't have relationships outside of the realm of people who need you. So literally, you don't know that you're lovable unless you're needed. Therefore, therefore, you are addicted to dependent people, people who need you. They're dependent on your dependence. You're dependent. They're dependent on you, and you're dependent on someone needing you. You need to be needed. You're dependent on them depending on you. Therefore, you're co-dependent. Do you find yourself surrounded by people who are users? And then eventually you feel used and cast aside. Chances are all those people who are, say they're surrounded by narcissists on some level, they get a kick at need, initially at least, of feeling needed. Unfortunately, after a while, they have some need, any need, and of course then they get cast aside and they get angry. Suffice it to say, intuition eventually picks up someone in pain, someone in need, and unless you figure out how to respond to it, you obsess about it because that sound, ah, ah, I'd like a baby crying, ah, ah, you can't turn it off. And so your thoughts go around and around and around in a circle and you can't turn it off. Unless you figure out a kind of mindfulness or skillful way of handling, picking up the mistake, the problem in their life. That's the area in the brain for empathy, orbital frontal area. It will go to the anxiety area in your brain. Then it will go to the area the gerbil wheel area, one ABC, ABC, around and around and around and around and around and around. And that's obsessive compulsive anxiety. The addictive comes, comes from to stop that gerbil wheel, you fix the problem. You get out of the circle by enough already. I'll pay your bill enough already. I can't handle this. I'll pay your rent. I'll bring you to the doctor. I've had it. Just shut up already. I'm so sorry you're in pain. I'll fix it. And then you find out that that person eventually 
continues to make the same problem over and over again. They become dependent upon you and ultimately you don't know how to master your anxious intuition and this obsessiveness that goes around in circles. If you don't and you figure out, I'm just going to stop this, their pain ends up going in your body and you get what I call a contact intuitivitis. You pick up their pain and if you don't respond and you don't figure out how to master the intuition, the obsessions, the intuition and obsessions become medical intuition. They become crystallized in your body and you carry them that way. I'm Dr. Monalisa and we're talking about addictions, obsessions, and intuition and ultimately medical intuition. We're taking your calls 816-251-3555 from within the U.S. and Canada. If you want to know more about today's show, you want to go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2. Let's go to Lisa, line one. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? How are you? I am okay. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. How can I be of help? Well, I totally resonate with everything that you've been saying, and I was even watching your Facebook Live about 20 minutes ago, and I was the one that was talking about vertigo, and then you even started to bring up about the weight gain, helping others. I totally resonate with all of that because me, I feel like let I... First, let me first read you first, okay? okay first of okay. all, what did you think of the new shirt? Oh, I liked it. It was so nice. Because I got a letter that complained about my <laughs> Disney gear. That she, she did not like it. She said it was inappropriate. She knew she needed, she said I needed a new look. So therefore I got what I called the birdseed shirt. I once yeah, hung no, a shirt like that great. on the line. I hung a shirt just like that on the line and the birds landed on it. It had black polka dots. The birds landed on it and started to peck it because they thought it was birdseed. Can you imagine? So I call that yeah. the birdseed shirt. So the first thing I see about you, Lisa, you know you have a very porous and sensitive brain. I do. And you you attract these people who you think are very bright and intelligent because they they have tidier intellects. They don't have this expansive right brain the size of the state of Iowa. So you have someone in your life that is very good, but they intellectually spa, they argue. If you say how yeah. you feel about something, they argue with you and they say that makes no sense. And they'll give you all kinds of reasons to not think that way. When thinking Gosh. is left brain and right brain is feeling. And then you engage in that debate and then you obsess about it. Because they're trying to rationalize away and, in fact, invalidate your feelings, which are part of your intuition, and tell you they're wrong. When a lot of times you're right. And they don't want you to nail them on something they've done or you've caught them doing. Who is this person? That could either be my mom or my husband. Well, it's always everybody... So it goes, the original person is always your mother, and the latest carnation is carnation. That's not like the beverage or the flower. The latest incarnation is your husband. We're going to call your husband yeah. Bobo, okay, so you don't get in trouble when you get off the radio. <laughs> Bobo 
what does Bobo do for a living? He is a part owner of a company, so he does a lot of the managerial aspect of it, so a lot of sales, a lot of um, managing his employees. So he's used to hearing yes. Every, he's, right. Everyone goes to him, and they're like the yes guy. That's what right. he does. And you don't kowtow to his authority like all those people? No, because I'm a Leo, and so is he. So we either butt heads or we're in love. It's either fire or ice or whatever. But somehow he expects everybody to be to accept his authority because he thinks he's he can't see both points of view. Yeah, he's a good guy. He just has trouble like walking and chewing gum, seeing both <laughs> yeah. points of view at the same time. What yeah, is it? Sometimes you catch him in what we call a Fibonowski. That it's a fib but it, you try to make it more fancy where he's not completely truthful about yeah. where he goes. It's not like he's going selling drugs down some alley or having some notorious affair or something, but mm -hmm. he's not completely true. And you pick it up in a moment. Can you give me an instance of where you picked him picked out very quickly? Something he was not completely truthful about. Well, he does do a lot of um, business meetings and goes out for dinners with people, but then sometimes he won't tell me that he'll go out and see his friends or just... So he'll, okay, like so this that. is the case. So you need to continue to scare him. Because in the use of phrase, an industry phrase, an industry term, in the movie My Cousin Vinny, mm -hmm. she said, you're dead on balls accurate. It's an industry term. You're very accurate. And the problem is after you say it to him, no, you weren't. You weren't there. You might even say you're lying. Or if you were kind, you'd say you're misrepresenting. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you're lying. And he won't like that. And he'll give you all kinds of rationalizations or how you can't possibly know that and all of this stuff. But you can mm -hmm. say articulately, you know, it's not true. Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't have the need to lie if it wasn't true. So let's just say you're uncomfortable because you know that I know what's going on. And it bothers you that you don't know yeah. how I know, but I do. Let's just say I'm like one of those people that the police hire when they want to know where the body's buried and all... <laughs> Of their ways of looking haven't worked, so they call someone like me. And that may bother you because you don't know the mechanism, but it works. So don't do that because I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> do you understand? Because yeah. the problem is after you have that, you second guess yourself. You second guess yourself. You get obsessed. You, you get obsessive and it affects your body. And you get anxious, angry, anxious, angry, an emotion that begins with an A. Do you understand? Because he'll yeah. say things that will invalidate you. He'll say you're crazy. You couldn't possibly know you're not being intellectually correct. And you believe it. Do you understand? When you could spend yeah. the time trying to find left brain facts to support it, if you really wanted. Or you could sit down 
and find the evidence to support what you're saying rather than sit there and believe what he's saying. So funny that you're saying this because every time him and I get into an argument and I say one thing that how I feel, he goes, well, that's not good enough. It's not what I'm looking for as an answer. And I'm like, well, basically screw you. No, 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 no. You don't say screw you. You say just because you're looking at looking for it as an answer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it. Exactly. Just because you're looking for it as an answer doesn't necessarily mean it's important. It simply means that you find it valuable and doesn't necessarily mean the entire the entire U.S. population finds it valuable. It merely means that you think it's important. And though I love you, what you find is important is not as important as what we think is important. Capiche? Pass assault. Yeah. If you learn how to say that and listen to the tape of this show, he will not think he's uber superior to you. And neither will you. That's your problem. You think your right brain intuition is not as sharp and intelligent as his left brain intelligence. And it's equally sharp. You just fall for the shtick. And it makes you sick. I look at your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I see a pressure in your head. I can't figure out if it's tension in your neck problems with estrogen and progesterone, I go with the estrogen and progesterone. In Chinese medicine, they call it liver fire rising. Frustration injures the liver and it causes spasmy blood vessels, but it also makes your adrenal gland convert progesterone to estrogen and estrogen dominance makes you frustrated and cause pressure in your head. It also causes irritability and rash behavior. I look at your neck. I see increased susceptibility because of that excess estrogen to increase your chance toward having problems with regular, stable thyroid function. I look at your heart. At times, I wonder, it feels like you have pressure in your chest. It's hard to take a deep breath. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast, esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I see a red dotted pattern in your esophagus and your stomach. I can't figure out if that happens when you're very frustrated, especially when you're eating at the same time. If you drink something in excess, especially when you're upset or you eat too many carbs. During that time, I see excessive bloating underneath your rib cage. You definitely shouldn't eat too many carbs or drink when you're upset. And you say, well, that's why I do those things. I look at your left kidney, mm-hmm. right kidney, bladder. Uterus, left ovary, right ovary, and cervix if you still have them. When these things happen, I see that your periods get heavier and more painful. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I look at your neck, upper back, lower back, and sacral areas. I see mild lower back stiffness. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Yeah, so you're spot on with the pain in my brain, 100%. It's on my right side. I don't know why, but it's just there. It's inflamed and it hurts sometimes. Um, in my chest, you were also 100% accurate. Sometimes it is hard for me to take a breath, and I do get a lot more anxiety these days than I normally have been. And I have been eating a lot of carbs, I'm not going to lie. Say that again. So, Say that again. I've been eating a lot more carbs than normal, like a lot. Because more- you're medic, we eat more carbs when we're in pain. 
either emotional pain or physical pain because cobs serotonin are anti-pain why do you have that head pain how long have you had it I've had it for quite a while. I'm not sure exactly why it's going on, but I've had it for a while. Look, Christopher, also- Christopher Columbus visited America quite a while ago. Have you had it since 1892? When, have you, <laughs> when did you stop having a headache, start having this head pain? Um, I want to say it's been at least nine months around that time. You need to see a doctor about that because a new right. onset head, head pain it's not like you've had this your whole life. No. And it's one-sided. It's unilateral. It's behind your right eye or something like that, the way you described it. You need to go see someone yeah. about that. It's not so tied into perimenopause. It's also nine months. And nine months has a symbolic significance, if you know what I mean. Do you have children? I have two boys. How old is the youngest? He just turned six, like a, like a week ago. Do both you and your husband want to have two kids? You want to tap it off at two? Um, we're happy with two. I would have had another one, but he was doing a ton of traveling, so I would have been by myself. Wait a minute. Back it up. Children. Back it up. Back it up. Symbolically, in nine months, people start to think about having another baby. Yeah, no, we're done. He's Wait, no, 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 no. That's not what you said. <laughs> you said, I, you see how you stuff in it? You said, okay. I kind of would have wanted to have another kid. You have two boys. You said, but yeah. he travels a lot. Yeah. And we've already talked about lying and traveling or traveling and lying, whatever that is. And so yeah, that he, put he, the kibosh on you having another kid. So we didn't decide to not have another kid. It was preempted by the way our family is run. You need to bring that up because that is somehow related to the nine-month thing. Do you understand? And that's hormonal and hormones are headaches. And you brought up, you said quite a while. And the one number you brought up was nine months. I know, but he sniffed. He sniffed. Yeah, he sniffed. He, he, he sniffed himself. He had a vasectomy. Yeah. Yeah. And that may have made you very angry. Was that a cooperative he, snip or a unilateral snip? Well, he really wanted to, and I was like, do whatever you want, but I did get emotional over it. Good luck. I, I know. Emotional means angry. Good luck. You go, yeah. Talk to a doctor and talk to your husband about this. Good luck. That's my music. Thanks. You know what that means. We're going to come back, and we'll do more readings, but you're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. 
Welcome back. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Today's show has been dedicated to addictions, obsessions, and intuition. We've been talking about how we have a circuit in our brain and body for intuition that picks up a mistake or problem or pain in someone's life. And that goes to the anxiety area in our brain that, or worry that's connected to obsession. And we go around and around and around. Intuition, picking up a problem in someone's life that goes to anxiety, that goes to around and around and around, obsession, obsession, obsession. If we can't get out of that, what we try to do is we try to rescue that person. And we can't, can't, can't. We have an irresistible impulse to rescue them. We may try to stop it, we may make efforts to stop it, but we simply can't. And after a while, much of our life is taken up by rescuing people. And that's called the so-called codependence, that people in our lives become dependent upon us to rescue them. And we carry their problems, and we feel better when we're needed, so we found ourselves needing to be needed dependent on those who are dependent upon us we're dependent on them because it makes us feel good and thus your intuition which becomes obsessive becomes related to addictive rescuing ultimately can lead to health problems as any addiction can to weight gain digestive problems insomnia and of course, eating excessively, drinking excessively, and so on. There are a variety of ways that you can learn to stop this. One of which is mindfulness. Mindfulness can help you learn how to, with your right brain and your left brain, observe someone's pain and suffering. You have to have someone teach you this. You can't just sit and go, I do mindfulness, I do yoga, it's different. Learn how to observe, describe, allow, but not move, not open up a wallet, not rescue, not do anything, not call them, nothing. It's called wise mind and DBT. Observe, describe, allow, watch your thoughts, watch your feelings in your body. Go down around your being like rain or water down a duck's back. And then as you're feeling the anxiety or sadness or whatever emotion or guilt you're feeling, you watch those emotions Go by, go by, come in and go by. That's emotional regulation. And then you learn how to regulate or soothe those emotions by not rescuing. You stop the compulsive behavior by substituting a better or healthier habit. That's how you break a habit like pulling your hair or compulsive spending, you actually replace it with a better habit. There's signs about that. And then you learn how to stop the thought by losing mindfulness. Then you learn effectiveness, relationship effectiveness, to stop those people who keep asking you whether it's dear man, learning how to say yes or no at the right time or the right amount of 
intensity or another skill called radical acceptance, which is the difference between willingness to accept what is, being able to watch somebody suffer. Not saying it's fair, right, or good, but radically be willing to allow it versus willfulness to be to want to change or act like God in a way, want to change everything that you see around you that just doesn't seem fair, right, or just. In many ways, you're acting like everybody else's higher power. Just because you get the intuitive signal by a wrinkle of biology doesn't necessarily mean you have to respond or solve the problem. Just because you receive the intuitive message doesn't mean you need to solve the problem. Once a friend of mine got my credit card bill. She's wealthier than Roosevelt. She didn't pay it. She got the mail, the message, but she didn't pay it. Just because you got an intuitive email about someone's pain, their overdrawn drawn emotional or physical account, doesn't mean you fix the account. You have to learn how to handle your stigmata of suffering, the after effect, the downside of being intuitive. We will go to Rose, I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Hi, how are you? I have a problem with an obsession about uh, a situation. I was involved in a relationship for three years with somebody. And okay, stop before you go on any further. It wasn't really a relationship. It was what I call relationship through rehab. Rehab meaning that you have some knowledge or ability that this person needs. And you wanted to help them. This person has some emotional instability. They're not really stable. And on some level, you try to nurture them, mother them, or help them. True. And it, it's like you might as well open up a closet and talk to the hangers. Number one, hangers can't learn. And number two, it's equally frustrating. Who is this person and how long did you realize that they had as much ability to take in your knowledge as a closet full of hangers? Um, it, it was in the back of my mind, but it was not in the everyday relationship. We had a very good relationship. He was strong where I am weak and I he was a recent widower and I was kind of helping not helping, but whatever. It was his first relationship, and he had to learn how to date and how to, you know, he had been married many, many years. And wait a minute, wait a minute, back it up. He had been married many, many years, and he was re recently widowed. Uh -huh. How did you, like a bird falling out of a nest, help him learn to renegotiate his independent status? Well, creating a new reality, like Laura would say, you know, we had a good relationship, but we, you know, it started as a friendship and then became a relationship. Why did it end? I don't know. One day uh, I opened the door of my house and my keys and my clipper and whatever of money he had, it was in the door. After, after And I talked to him the night before. 
and the and the relationship what it what, what yeah. happened during that conversation well you know we had a a, a, a slow exchange of ideas things that i wasn't happy about and i guess he but it was not a big fight i mean okay, wait, no, 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 no. you're blocking it you're not doing yourself when you have feelings and the truth and you want to bury it because you think you ended the relationship you finally said something you feel you finally said something you had a need and as a result it's as a result it was no longer about you helping him because he was alone it was about about it was about his showing up you wanted him to do something for you you had a need and that was no longer okay right and that ended the relationship because the relationship was built on you being a mother. The relationship was built on you helping him negotiate being alone in the world. That's relationship as rehab. The problem is you blame yourself for saying something that ended it. If you hadn't said that, the relationship might be continuing to go on. If you realize that this person was dependent and the only way the relationship would have gone on is that you remain mute and had no needs at what cost to you he wouldn't have been a mate he would you would have been a mother a silent not a partner a silent partner do you get it i look at your head yes i get it i get it but i want this relationship back can i tell you it wasn't a relationship. You were like providing a group home and he was a client. It wasn't an equal relationship. As soon as you have a need, it goes poof. What kind of relationship is that? I guess you're right. You want I a relationship. You. you don't want that relationship. Okay, I agree with that. Fill up the emptiness because otherwise your digestion is going to continue to give you problems and your insulin and blood sugar is going to continue to give you problems and that ultimately is going to affect your heart. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Good luck. You take it easy. Thank you. We will Thank go you, to, mother. not a problem. We'll go to line two, Renee, 68. How can I be of help? Oh, hi. I'm wondering if you could tell me what's going on with my digestive tract. The first thing I see is you're like a tuning fork for the people around you. Okay. You remind me of, um, you know, I used to have this vacuum cleaner. I still do. But I had two cleaning people, and they said the vacuum cleaner was broken. Okay. The problem with the vacuum cleaner was that the bag was full. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the people even bought new bags, but they abandoned putting the bags in because they were the wrong bags. Okay. You're like that vacuum cleaner. Your bag is full, 
because you keep picking up emotions of someone near you. I believe that, yes. That somebody near you, third center, is digestion. It has to do with self versus responsibility and work. Okay. I see someone near you has an issue with their work, and they're not happy with it. This is a person who much of their identity has to do with their work. How old are you? Oh, I'm 68. Yeah, yeah. But somehow this person thinks they're going to be father head by their age with their work. You pick up like a vacuum cleaner for a long time their feelings about their career and their self-worth, and you're full of it. You can't pick up any more of this. And this has been going on for a while. Who do you live with, Renee? Oh, I live by myself. Who was the last person you lived with? Um, gosh, that's been years. I've mostly been by myself. Do you have any children? No. Do you have a relative, a mother or father? Mother, yeah. How far away does she live? Oh, she lives only in the same neighborhood, and I, I take care of her, I help her. That could be the person. What, how does she spend her days? How does she spend her days? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she is in her 90s, and she mostly just sits and reads or, you know, sleeps. That's about it. She reads and sleeps. Yep. And what did she do before she read and slept? Um, she has always been a stay-at-home mom. She worked real briefly for a short time, and she... Um, was active. I mean, she was doing aerobics three times a week or two or three times a week until she was in her 80s. But she was. But she never a, really uh, used her mind. Uh, not as much as she could have. Yeah. So how does she depend on you? Well, she is really frail right now. She lost a lot of weight. No, no. And no, this I has have, been going on for a long time. You're a vacuum cleaner bag. You've been yeah. carrying this weight for a long time. Yeah. How are you the only person in your mother's life? Um. No, there's other siblings, but they some of them are still working, and another one doesn't live in this area. So, you're it. I'm it. You know, and I don't, I don't mind, but I know that part of the stress is affecting my digestion. I look at your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. The thing is, you don't have any delusional issues. You don't have anybody to dilute the aspect of this. Yeah. You don't have a partner. You don't have children. It's her. Yeah. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I look at your heart. There's a subtle change in your heart rate and rhythm. I can't figure out if your heart skips a beat, adds a beat. I wonder if your mother had the same problem. Um, I what? Go ahead. Does that? Or if she has a heart problem. I look at your left lung, right lung. I see something different with the anatomy underneath her diaphragm, between her esophagus, your esophagus, and stomach. Okay. I can't figure out if you have a red dotted pattern there. You get gassy. What that is? I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder. Uterus, left ovary, right ovary, and cervix if you still have them. I have a hard time seeing that area. I can't figure out if something was lost or removed. 
I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I see diffuse achiness and stiffness in multiple areas of your hands and joints. Hands, wrists, elbows, hips. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Um, yeah, the digestion, I think, could be related to a problem I have with my L3, L4 area, and I have radiculopathy down to my knee. Oh, that's why that is. Listen. Yeah. You're not moving forward with your life. Yep. And I'm, you're not... What do you do for work? Oh, I'm not working right now. You don't want to be like your mother? No, I've I worked all my life, so now I'm retired. No, 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 no. Yeah. Right now you're working, not working. And now you're not married. And now you're not moving a lot. L3, L4 is relationship. There's stagnation there. And third chakra is not working. You have to have no new avocation and calling. Yeah, you don't I have to be, you don't ha, You don't have to be married to be happy. Yep. Married well, is happy your seventh chakra. It's only 7% of your life. The rest of you can be 93% and still be happy. The point of the matter is, your mother right now is on permanent retirement. You don't want to do that. You're only 68. You have a whole life ahead of you. Do you want to spend the whole rest of your life doing what you're doing now? Well, I'd like to get rid of the pain. <laughs> oh, my God. Your pain won't go away unless you start to do... What, for what will your pain go away for? Um, what will it go away for? Well... No, no, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't lose a health problem so you can do something with your life. When you have a health problem, it helps to start doing a purpose in life. And that's necessity is the mother of invention. It helps clear the way. Doing what your purpose in life is helps clear the way for your return to health, not the other way around. And though that seems impossible, I've been run over by a car and a truck and shortly thereafter continued to go back to work. I might have been my finest hour, <laughs> <laughs> but I always have because it facilitated me getting better. In agony, but I got better because it releases opiates. It gives us a purpose. Right now, there's nothing to dilute the pain. There's no sense of reward. And that's what we're talking about. All of your circuits are available for attention and keying into your mother's pain and suffering. There isn't anything to dilute that intuition. Mm, yep. And... If you had something that gave you reward, was an avocation calling or connection with other people, it would release opiates that would actually relieve your pain, which is one of the selfish reasons why I do work and do all the studying of Torah, yeah. Talmud, and Zohar. If you can't wait for the pain to relieve to do that stuff. You have to do it even if there's a breath left in your body and you're in a wheelchair sucking out of a straw to breathe. Sure. Yep. 
So find, get a coach, find an avocation or calling and do it even if it's for 10 minutes a day. You can't wait to get help to do that. Health arrives when you do it. I believe it. And you, if you don't believe that, you know the longer list of health problems I've had, right? Yep, I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, Carolyn May May said to me, it's the most sweetest thing anybody said. Basically, you got no breaths. (laughs) (laughs) Your spine is fused from C3 down, so your spine is trashed. Your digestive tract doesn't work. Your brain, well, you had the brain injuries and the seizures. So basically, your whole body should be trashed and you should start again. (laughs) And that, you know, kind of says it. It It was very empathic. However, despite that, I do pretty good for government, you know, good enough for government work, as they say. There you go. I actually had somebody, when I wanted to apply for disability insurance, I never did. She actually showed up in my house. And then when she got the list, she actually got a legal pad and started flipping the pages, adding. Uh-huh. And she said at the end of that, well, good luck <laughs> getting insurance. <laughs> and then they insured me. And when I finally went and I asked, why would you possibly insure me? And he said, no matter what happens to you, you continue working. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I said, after hearing that, I said, well, then why should I pay them money? I have to be brain dead not to work. Yeah. And by that time, you know, how would I know? Yes. Please consider this, because if anything, it will distract you from your mother. And in fact, it will actually ease your pain. I, you know, I think that sounds really good. I'm going to start out with 10 minutes a day and see what happens. And I'm just curious. What did you do for work before? Um, I did a lot of different things. I spent 25 years in medical uh, type jobs in the hospitals and assisting and endoscopy. And you There's know. ways of taking that ability to understand anatomy and health yep. and do something cool that you already read an awful lot about. Yes. Especially I, if it involves um, alternative complementary health. Good luck. You take it easy. Thank okay? you very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. We will go to line one. Patsy, I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Hi. Um, I was listening to your show on Facebook and a lot of what you said resonated with me and a lot of the issues that you were talking about I have. So I wanted to get a mini reading. Okay. First of all, the cool thing I see is that you have a great relationship in your life versus the other people around you. I see someone in your life who's warm, fun, and they dilute the experience of difficult, painful relationships you've had in the past. You remind me, your name is Patsy. And there's a famous show on British TV called um, well, her, the other woman's name was Eddie. So there's Ed, Weena, and Patsy. And it's called Absolutely Fabulous. Do you remember that show? You don't. I don't. I don't I've were, never heard of they it. They were girlfriends. They both drank and smoked like fish. The thing is, is that was kind of a healthy kind of codependence. Because they did feel each other's pain. They did read each other's mind. And they were buddies. In some ways, codependency, being co-intuitive, having girlfriends or husbands and wives, there can be a good part of being obsessive and intuitive and enmeshed with somebody. As long as you have a productive growth and rich life 
in your own individual life. Addiction and obsessions only become unhealthy when they consume your time and you lose your own individual experience. Do you understand? Yes. So you may be labeling something as codependent only if you have the wiring for intuition and anxiety and compulsivity when really you just are extremely intuitive. You can obsess about it. And sometimes you might distract yourself and sometimes you won't. I see this friend of yours who's very positive, distracts yourself, and even perhaps has maybe supplanted you, removed you, distracted you from someone in your life that was a bad relationship and left you. Who is your closest friend? Right now, I don't really feel like I have a close friend. The one that I did, I kind of refended her like a couple years ago, and it's kind of flourished, and I feel like she gets me more. What but happened like to my, that like friend? I, well, she's still around. I just kind of, um, I kind of feel like she's going through something, and I'm learning a lot about myself right now. So I'm kind of like examining things. There's nothing things wrong like, with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can have you, and you can have a friend at the same time. So I think my very, like, my good friend, she's a little bit older than me. She's in her, like, she's, like, 54 or something. And she's been, like, somebody who's helped me to understand, like, the things that I've been going through. Like, they're kind of part of the process. That's the person I'm talking about. She's helped okay, you deal yes. with something that died in your life. Something, some print pain. That person is healthy for you. I want to thank you yes. for welcoming me into her day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.